God that removes all fear. That's something to be excited about. That's something to go out into the week remembering. No fear in the name of Jesus, hey? Why don't you take your seats tonight? And can we thank the team? Because that was incredible. Incredibly led. Rachel and Vanessa crushed it. And I don't know what that dance is called, but I am way too uncoordinated to do it. But it was so much fun to try and very exciting to watch. It's always good when there's energy and life at church, isn't it? It's not a place where we come and sit and we're all very like sullen. It's actually very exciting to be in the house of God. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you guys tonight, both in the room and through our online campus. And I wanna take us on a journey of the last couple uh, messages I've had the opportunity to share. Because as I've been preparing, I've realized there's been a bit of a theme or a common element that I think I'd love to highlight and then it like further explore tonight. And so if you can, take your mind back a couple months. Um, I, and I forgive you if you've completely forgotten, it's totally okay. But I did a message about the myth of the real Christian. You know, quote these little guys around real. Because I think so often people say, you have to do this to be a real Christian, or this is what a real Christian is, or you can't be a real Christian if. And I think that it was a myth that we need to look at And so we went into Galatians, where Paul is literally addressing this problem in the church, where people are saying, you have to follow these laws. This is everything you have to do to be a Christian. And Paul says, no, no, no. If the law could have saved you, there was no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. You're saved through Jesus, through faith is what makes you a Christian, believing that Jesus died for you, that he rose again, and that it saved you. That's the perspective shift that we looked at, not law, but faith. And then we went to self-control. And we looked at this idea that maybe self-control isn't this limitation that God expects of us. Maybe it's actually one of the clearest signs that God wants us to succeed of our own free will. Maybe self-control, the fact that we've been given a spirit of it, is actually a gift and what enables us to build and build well, that God doesn't want us to just go to heaven because we have faith, but He wants this life to be a blessed life. He wants us to have wisdom and actually be able to engage and build something worth living. And then just a couple weeks ago, we moved to Humble Pie, which, I mean, it's one of my favorite titles, but we looked at this idea that we actually need to know what we believe and we need to follow our convictions, but it is not our job to make everyone else follow the same. Everyone is different and God is big enough and great enough to reconcile that. At the end of the day, it's God who makes us stand. It's God, it's through faith, it's the cross that saves us. And so we need to know what we believe and follow that. Listen to our convictions and our conscience but it's not our responsibility to make everyone else get on the same page. Let our lives be a testament that other people would be curious to know why and what you're doing. And so we've been on this sort of a journey looking at the grace and the truth of Jesus in a more, I think, God perspective, because oftentimes it gets a little bit distorted, a little bit distorted by people and their hurts. And, you know, we're a pretty emotional being. Sometimes we attach our own experience 
and we actually take away from the truth of who God is. And tonight I actually want to challenge another perspective that I think a lot of us have. Because perspective is everything. Adam, Adam Grant shared an incredible message just last Sunday morning about perspective. And if you haven't seen it, you should go and watch it. But perspective is everything. That's why we have sayings like the glass half full, the glass half empty. The glass is the same, but the person who sees it as full lives a better life. Your perspective is your reality. And so this is really important. And I wanna challenge a perspective that I'm not sure if we know that we have. And maybe not all of us have it. I will put my hand up first and say, it's 100% me. And if I even just share to myself tonight, well, one person's leaving groan, so this is great. Um, but hopefully a few of us are going to find something to take out of this. I really believe we will. And it's the same with everything that God reveals to us. We always end up freer. Yeah. Isn't that odd? We always think when we go to God, we're going to end up being able to do less, living like a smaller world, living like in this little box, in this little square. But whenever God reveals something, I've always found freedom in it. I've always found my life is bigger and bolder. And so we're going to look at this perspective through the story of the lost son in Luke, or the story of the two brothers, or what we all probably know it as is the prodigal son. We've all, raise your hand if you've heard that term, online comment, you've heard the prodigal son. It's in pop culture, guys. How many movies have you seen where this long lost person walks in and they're like, oh, return of the prodigal son? And we're all like, ha, you're talking about the Bible. Um, But it's a very, it's a very common phrase. But we actually often ignore that there's two brothers in this story. There's actually two sets of stories here. And the first part of the story we love because it's all about grace and forgiveness and welcoming home someone and restoring them in love and in mercy. And we're all for that because we all have this moment where we feel like we've been the prodigal son. We feel like we've really turned away and we're never gonna be accepted by God again. And he welcomes us home and actually wants to restore us to the original intention of our life. And we love that. And when you follow the start of the story, it's essentially a dad. He's got two sons and one of them decides, I don't wanna be at home anymore. I don't really wanna be here. I'd like the money that I'm gonna inherit and I wanna go do my own thing. So his dad says, all right, I'm gonna divide up your inheritances and give them to both of you. So both sons receive their inheritance. Now this one son decides to go to a foreign land with it and just live life to the fullest, whatever money could buy. And it says he just wastes his money on lavish living and on prostitutes and eventually runs out of money. And the country that he's in becomes uh, or goes into a famine. And so he actually has to become a servant. And it says that he longed to eat the food that he, he fed the pigs. He was a servant who fed pigs and he just wished he could eat the food they were getting because he wasn't fed. And so there's this very quick decline in his story and he realises if I'm a servant for my dad, I know I'm going to get fed. I know I'm going to be looked after. I'll still have to work hard, but that's better than this. And so he goes home and we love this part where the dad sees him and runs to him and embraces him. And the son's saying like, I've sinned against you, I I can't be your son, I just wanna be a servant. And his dad won't hear of it. He's like, bring this boy a robe, bring him sandals and bring him a ring, which is actually the power to access his money again, restored to the level that he was as a son, a loved son, a son who had done no wrong in a moment. And we love 
the story. And we should, because that is our God. He embraces us and he restores us in full. But there is another brother. And that's where I want to take us tonight. In verse, starting in verse 25, it says this. So the brother's back. There's a big party going on. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he calls to one of the servants and asks him what's going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So essentially, there is a massive party going on because your brother's home and he's safe. And the older brother becomes angry and refuses to go in. And so his father comes out and pleads with him, but he says to his father, look, all of these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him, which is a big deal. The fattened calf is what you reserve for the biggest celebrations, for the best parties. He's saying, you have given him the highest honour for what he's done to you. And the father says this, he says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And that response of that brother to his dad, when his dad says, why won't you come into the party? Come have a good time with us. Like, your brother's home. This is incredible. He says, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never, ever disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And so my message tonight has two titles. We have a fun title, which, yay. And we also have the title that I more seriously was like, actually, this should be the title. It seems more spiritual. <laughs> so I'm going to give you both. So the first title of this message is Bros and Goats, because we're talking about bros, and there was a goat. <laughs> and that was enough for me. Um, but the title that I want us to work with tonight is Living Above Obligation. That's what I want to talk about. Because what I see in this story is that if we exist out of obligation, we actually begin to resent God, we resent people, and eventually our response to grace is bitterness. Because what we see in this story is the second brother, he received his inheritance. He chose to be faithful. He chose to remain and work with his father. But when his brother does the opposite and is received and welcomed back with grace and forgiveness, all of a sudden he starts to speak of his choice as if it was an incredible burden, as if it was a chore, as if he were made to do it to the point that he doesn't even care that his brother's safe. Like, this is not the day of social media. If someone left and went to another country, you'd probably think I might never ever see them again. And this is his little brother. I have a little brother and I'm not sure there's, well, I mean, some days I could go a couple days without seeing him, but we have, <laughs> we have no idea how long this has been. And he literally disowns him in a sense. He says, this son of yours, he doesn't even say my brother. This son of yours did this. And there's such a bitterness to it. And I think it's because the sense of obligation 
if we live out of it, we're going to resent the Father, God. We're going to resent people, our brothers. And we're actually going to respond to grace and mercy with bitterness, which is a big problem for us because God always responds with grace. And, you know, I don't think we're any different to this brother. It sounds horrible in context, but if we think about how this plays out in our world, you know, I wonder if you've ever become bitter and not wanted to talk to people because they're doing something that you've chosen not to do, but they're still at church, people are still loving on them, God is blessing them, but you're not doing what they're doing, so why should they get this blessing? Why does it seem that everyone accepts them? There's a bitterness because we've decided to do something, but maybe we think it's, an, it's something we have to do. There's an obligation. There's a sense of, I don't have a choice, but we would never say that. You know, maybe you've seen someone, other friends who they just don't, they're not interested in being generous or tithing. And you're giving and you're giving and you're being faithful and you don't think you're seeing anything for it. Things are going okay, but you've got other people who just aren't interested in that. And God is welcoming them home. Maybe you've given up a life of addiction, of substance abuse. Maybe you've made a choice that you're not going to do that, but you see other people doing it and they seem to be, you know, going all right. People, they're being welcomed, they're being accepted, and there's a bitterness that builds up inside of us. And I want to encourage us to see bitterness as a reminder that maybe we're not approaching this the way that we should. Because if we can challenge this perspective, we're going to change our lives, we're going to change our relationships with people and with God. Because not only does God always respond with grace, but He wants everyone to come home. There's not a single person that you will find that God would not welcome with open arms. So if we can't work on the bitterness within us to the point where we don't even wanna see our brothers come home, to the point where we don't care, we're actually gonna miss out on the, the very heart of who God is. But it's not just that. God actually wants you to succeed in life. I don't know if we appreciate this fully. God actually wants you to succeed. See, if we live out of obligation, it's almost as if we think God just wants us to do this or we have to do it or we need to do it and we actually fail to take into account that God wants us to succeed, not just that we would have grace and love for our brothers and wanna welcome people home, but that we would actually have the self control and the wisdom to engage things that are going to build our lives. We have a party crusher. (laughs) And so I want to talk about two ways that we can start living above obligation because God does call us to live a certain way. That's a fact. Please don't hear this as do whatever you want That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a greater reason to do what God has called us to do. And it's not because we have to, it's because He loves us. He wants us to build incredible lives and He wants that to overflow into grace and mercy for the people around us to step into that. And so there's two people that matter when it comes to stepping out of obligation and that's God and us. So the first thing we need to do is search for God's why. 
We like to ask that question, why? Why, God? Why? We need to know why. And one of the simplest ways I can think to explain this is from a a podcast I was listening to recently. And it's from a, a... a businesswoman who has built this incredible like, multi-million dollar company, and she's talking about her relationship with her husband. And she says, we have this really simple rule that we use to actually navigate our relationship, especially when we have conflict. And she said, the rule's called, does he love me? Or does she love me? And the way it works is, if I'm starting to get upset or angry, or I don't like what they've said or they've done, the first question I have to ask is does he love me? Because if the answer is yes, then you have to approach that circumstance as if that person wants what's best for you. Even if you don't feel like that's what's happening, there's an automatic respect for the love that they hold for you and the perspective that they actually want you to succeed. Now, as people, we can make the mistake of being wrong, but God is never wrong. And so all we need to ask to search for God's why is does he love me? And it might seem like a very complex question, but let me settle your mind. If you're going through the list of things you've like done in your life or said or thought, and you're like, okay, yes, yes, no, yes, no, no, 50-50, that's not how it works. God's not doing that. And I wanna encourage you with what the father responds here to the son. He says, my son, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. And so what this says to me and one of the clearest pictures of the love of God is that he's already given us everything. When Jesus died on the cross, It set us free from the law. It set us free from having to meet up to certain things, from having to cross every T, dot every I, but not so that we could disobey it, so that we could live on a higher level, so that we could see the love of God displayed on the cross, that we would actually want what God wants for us because how could a God that loves us that much want anything but the best for me, for you, for everybody? And so it's this picture that through the cross, yes, we're set free from obligation, but I think the point is that we would have a revelation that God actually builds wisdom into our life so that we can live well. He wants you not just to go to heaven when you die. He wants you to live an incredible life. He has given you your inheritance. You already have it. Now build well. Choose to stay home with your father and work the fields, not because you think it's gonna get you the lamb, not because you think you have to, but because you realise God really loves me. And even though I don't understand why he's asked me to do this, even though it doesn't make sense, it doesn't look fun, other people don't seem to be doing it, I'm gonna trust that he loves me and everything he asks is built from that place. And then the second thing we need to do after searching for God's why is determine our why. Really simple. And this is really important because we're always gonna be surrounded by people who live a different experience to us. We're never gonna be in a world where everybody does the same thing, everybody has the same convictions, everybody 
has the same standards. And so it is really important for us, if we're supposed to engage humanity, if we wanna be the love and the grace and the peace and everything that God is to our fellow people, fellow humans, then we actually need to be able to push past people who do not do the same things as us. And that means we need to really, really understand why we've chosen to do the things we've chosen to do. It means stopping and going, okay, I'm a little bit annoyed that this person is doing this and I'm not. Why am I doing this? God has said, this is how we live well and God loves me. Okay, so I'm doing this because I believe that God knows what's best for me because I wanna live well and because I trust that I'm never gonna understand everything He asks of me. And so whenever I see other behaviour, I can look at them with compassion and grace and love with no bitterness because I know why I've decided to do this. I know why I've made my choice. And so this is one of the most important things we can do. Because if you think of it like a maturity of sorts, you know, when you're a child, you never ever want to do the things your parents tell you. They are the permanent buzzkill of your life. There is vegetables on your plate. You can't just run around across the road when you feel like it. There are all of these things that they're stopping you from doing, stopping you from doing. But we all know that with age, there's very little left that we are not going to do to our own children. Because we have this appreciation, appreciation, appreciate, ooh, that one fancy, appreciation, sorry, but we have an appreciation that they wanted what was best for us, that they acted in love, they acted to build our lives, they acted to make sure that we stepped into a future worth stepping into. And we fail to see that with God. You know, you mature in your relationship with God and you start to see the things that actually were for your good. And you could spend years hating on God, going, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? And then you might actually choose, oh, I actually wanna do this because now I see what it's doing for me. As an adult, you have to choose to sleep, to eat your vegetables, and you do it because you know it's gonna be good for you. And even though it's annoying, you just know. But you never look at a child and get bitterness that they're not doing that. Would you ever look at a child and be bitter at them because they were not living to the same standard as you? Well, maybe you would, and you're probably not the nicest person to be around, but we just have this understanding that when we've matured, we can see the greater picture. And so when you get this filter, this perspective, you can look at other people in your world and you don't become bitter, you just realise they have not had the revelation that you've had. They just haven't matured in that sense. They haven't seen the fruit of the decision that you've made to be generous, to be kind, to be compassionate, to keep your sexual integrity, to make sure that you're not greedy, you're not stealing, you're not doing things that the Bible says we should avoid. You actually don't become bitter. You actually have grace because you go, I want them to see what I've seen. I want them to see that God has something more. And so we need to make sure that we determine our why, that we're always committed to maturing in our faith. And you know, I love the story because it never actually says whether the other brother joins in on the party. Like where I ended that scripture was where that story ends, where that chapter ends. And I was talking to Levi earlier this week about it and he said he loves 
how cool this is because it turns the question to the reader. What do you think he should do? What should he do? And if we can make the connection, if we understand what a parable is, the greater question is what am I gonna do? What are you going to do? Are you gonna be someone who stands outside, bitter at the grace of God on someone else's life because you're living in obligation? Or are you gonna actually step into the revelation that God knows what's best for you and you choose that because you wanna live in the incredible life He has and all that does is build up grace and mercy and love for the people in your world that have not experienced that. I love that. Jesus loves a cliffhanger. He wants to keep us on our toes. He wants us to think. You know, when you read the Bible, He actually wants you to be thinking. And so there's just a few questions I wanna ask us tonight. And the first one is, is there something you've been doing out of obligation that's been creating a sense of bitterness within you, maybe towards God or towards people? You know, God does ask us to do certain things. He does reveal a way of life that we should be engaging. And it doesn't always seem fun. It doesn't always even sometimes seem like the best option for us. But have we actually got something that we're just doing because we think we have to, that maybe we need to turn into a a choice? Maybe we need to actually stop and think about why we're doing it, what God's heart is for us in it, and whether we're gonna choose to live that genuinely and authentically in spite of what we see around us. You know, do I truly believe that God loves me and that anything He asks of me could only be for my good? Do you truly believe that God loves you? Do you truly believe that He's good? I mean, there is enough Scripture about it, but have you actually taken that on your heart? Because it means that everything He asks of you flows from a place of love and of wanting you to succeed and of wanting you to be happy and healthy. And how good is it to have a God who wants you to succeed and be happy and healthy and do well in life? That's why we call it the good news. It's not the doom and gloom. It's not the do this or you'll go to hell. It's the no, I've come and died for you so that you would have your inheritance and be free irrelevant. But I want you to live in this greater revelation of living, of life, of what it means to have the God of the universe give you the secrets to success. And the last question is, have I taken the time to understand why I've made certain decisions so that I can stand strong? You know, I wanna encourage you, if there are things that you're struggling with, stop and take the time to discover why you've made that decision. And maybe if it's not enough for what you want, look at what God wants for you. Let the heart of God be what gets you on that journey until you start to see the fruit of it because God will see it before you see it. God will see the, like, He can see the bird's eye view. He knows that when you're faithful, it's gonna lead to good things. And if you can't see it in the moment, let God's why be stronger in the beginning, but let it build onto you. Actually take the time to ask the question. Because imagine a world where, Everyone does everything, not out of obligation, but a genuine heart for people, a genuine heart for God. The world would look a lot more like what God wants it to look like, I think. And even think of what church would look like. 
You know, if you're concerned or if your dream church is where everybody seems to be doing okay, everyone's doing the same things you're doing, then I'm not sure you understand what God wants church to be. You should be able to look around and see people on every sort of journey imaginable, not because the church is saying, oh, every choice is a good choice, but because God says every person is a person and every person I wanna welcome home and I want you to welcome them as well. And so if we challenge this perspective, we're gonna live a greater life. The people in our world are gonna live a greater life. Our relationship with God is gonna be stronger is going to be happier, it's going to be more resilient when things come up against us. And, you know, I'd love to ask us to stand in these last minutes. Um, and I encourage you, you know, if there has been something on your heart, pray about it, go home, think about it. Don't let tonight just go past and then wake up tomorrow struggling with something. Talk to someone, see a life group leader, talk to a pastor, make a friend after the service and chat to them. People are there for you. People can help you to work through these moments of struggle. That's why we're here. God says we should bear each other's burdens, which means we should, we're all in this together. But if you're here tonight and maybe you're not on a journey with God, or maybe it hasn't been your experience, church or um, Jesus, then I wanna encourage you with the first part of that story again. Because... God isn't this God who doesn't care about us. He's not a God who's not engaged in our world, who's absent. He's actually working in everything that we do. And so much so that He sent His Son so that all of those things that you think exclude you from His love, they actually don't matter. You just have to have faith. You just have to believe. And it sounds cheesy, but I only think it sounds cheesy because it sounds too good to be true. But that's who God is. God is a God that does not make sense because it is too good to be true. But He is the only one who can say without a shadow of a doubt that He loves you, that He accepts you, that He welcomes you wherever you're at. Like the father running out to meet the son, he doesn't even care what's happened. He's not even gonna ask. He just wants you to come home. He just wants you to be in the world that He's created. He wants to restore you to what it means to be the son of God a child of God, no matter who you are. And so tonight, you know, if that's you, I encourage you. It's as simple as just saying in your heart, you know, Jesus, I really, you know, I really wanna know more about you. I, I'd love to invite you into my life. Help me, help me to know you more. And if that is you, I know Pastor Matt is gonna come and give you some more details, but I encourage you, it's an incredible journey to be on when you realise the God of the universe wants to know you, wants to welcome you, wants to love you, and it'll change your life more than this message will, more than anything that could ever happen. Relationship with Jesus is gonna transform your life. And so I wanna encourage you with that. Hey, let's not be bitter. Let's not be the sort of people that don't know why we stand for the things we stand for. Know what you believe, know what God wants for you and actually be excited that He's given you all of these things you can do to build an incredible life and then make sure the people you love, the people you care about live an incredible life as well. You know, God is good, isn't He? Yes, yes perfect. Well, I'm gonna hand to Pastor Matt.